0: Welcome to Transformation Church Podcast. It's fun month at TC, and today's message is brought to you by our creative pastor, Charles Metcalf. So from wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. We're gonna be in Philippians 4, uh, is where we're gonna be after you have your Bibles or uh, your phone, um, or we'll have it on the screens for you. But uh, I wanna give you some context to the book of Philippians. Um, Philippians is a letter from Paul to a church in a place called Philippi. Philippi, Philippians. Um, the, the city of Philippi was a place where um, a lot of Roman soldiers would retire. They would retire to this place, and so what that meant is there were a lot of people who were loyal to Caesar in uh, this, this area, in the Roman Empire, and Rome at this time ruled a lot of the world, and so Paul gets thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. And he's in jail, and they, the church at Philippi, they send someone to send him money. And so uh, they send him some money and we get this letter because Paul is taking time to thank them for the money that he sent to him. And so that's kind of the context. Paul's writing from jail and it's a thank you letter for money and resources that was sent to him. And so we're going to pick it up in uh, Philippians 4. Um, We'll start in verse 10. This is what the Bible says. It says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. For I know that you've always been concerned, but you didn't have a chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content. Everybody say content. Content. With whatever I have, I know how to live with almost nothing and with everything. I have learned the secret of living. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. If you've ever uh, played on a team or been around church at all, you've heard this next scripture, Philippians 4.13. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The title of my message today, if you're taking notes, and uh, I would encourage you to take notes. Um, it's kind of like a fast pass at Six Flags when you get to heaven. You show them your notes, they get you in the fast line. Um, <laughs> joking, I'm just kidding. Um, but the title of my message today is The Secret Sauce to Life. The Secret Sauce to To life. I'm gonna take a moment and pray and then we'll uh, jump in. Lord, I thank you so much. Your word says that we're two or three are that you're there. So I thank you, Lord, right now that you're here with us. Lord, I pray, even as we sang earlier, that that you would speak to our hearts. We don't wanna talk, we don't wanna just come in a building and, and sing a few songs. We wanna encounter Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you're here and that you're speaking to us. It is in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Uh, Did you guys have a good 4th of July? Did anybody have a good 4th of July? Yeah, yeah. Anybody shoot off fireworks? Any fireworks shooting? Crazy people shooting off? We got one person shooting fireworks. All right. All um, right. Every year, we celebrate Fourth of July, and uh, we go over to my wife's family's house. We shoot off fireworks. Inevitably, they start firing at us. Has anybody ever had fireworks shoot off at you? Anybody? It's like the most exhilarating thing in the world, but, um, and terrifying. But this year, again, they shot off and started firing at us, and um, I didn't hit me because I was inside to begin with, because I knew it was sketchy. Um <laughs> So uh, I look through the window like, those are nice. Yes, that's great. And they start firing off and everybody's running and screaming. I'm like, oh, man, that stinks to be you guys out there. Um, But the Fourth of July, it's a fun time and we we celebrate and we're celebrating uh, the independence of America, Um, the, the tyranny from England and the Queen and a group of men got in a room and they wrote something called the Declaration of Independence and uh, the Declaration of Independence is kind of stating, hey, we don't like you. We're becoming our own place. And uh, they pinned these words that we now know as our Declaration of Independence. And I want to use um, a statement in there that maybe you've heard or haven't heard. Kind of as the groundwork uh, for the talk we're going we're to talk around today. And uh, I want to share this with you right here. This is what it says in the Declaration of Independence. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equally that they are endowed by the right of their creator with certain unalienable rights, though, though, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I want to focus in on that last phrase, the pursuit of happiness. And uh, on Throwback Sunday, I started thinking about what has my pursuit of happiness looked like? Like, what are things maybe growing up or um, that, that, that made me happy or have made, made me happy at one point? And uh, I started thinking about um, middle school. Anybody remember being in middle school? Anybody? Some of you have to think way back, you know. Um, but in middle school, do you remember the exhilarating feeling when you walked in and you saw a random person you had never seen before sitting behind the teacher's desk? I mean, I was so excited, because that meant, substitute, we ain't about to do nothing. (laughs) Like, when I walked in and saw Miss Rando behind the desk, I was like, yes, this is going to be amazing. Like, I would get so happy, because I I was just like, this is great. And then, oh, to top it off, you remember when you would walk in, you see the random lady, so you're like, okay, yes, kind of do some whatever, get some in trouble. And then you walk a little bit further and you saw the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life. The rolling TV with the strap on the top of it. You know what I'm talking about? Glory to God. I thought heaven was coming down at that moment. It was like, yes, this is the greatest day of my life. I would get so happy when that would happen. I started thinking about that. And then a little bit further, I remember in high school, if you would have asked me, Charles, what, what would make you happy? In 10th grade, I would have had two answers, uh, two answers to that question. One, I was playing football. So I was like, I want to do good in football, win state championship. Uh, and the second thing I would have told you is I want to kiss Amber Thomas. Now, um, some of you are like, that's not your wife's name. I know, chill. I, it was before I met my wife. I was, and I was in 10th grade. Like, that was like the biggest, best thing I knew. Um, so there was this girl, Amber. She was like the prettiest girl in school. And uh, she was actually uh, two years older than me. So I was a sophomore. She was a senior. And uh, Amber, she had dated, I played on the football team. She had dated the quarterback uh, for the team, but he had graduated. And I heard through the grapevine uh, that she liked uh, caramel ice cream better than vanilla ice cream, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, so I was like, look at God. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, some of you won't laugh. I'm going to make you laugh by the end of the service. It's okay. So, I was like, okay, this is my chance. So, I remember one day I saw her, and I was like, yo, girl, um, how you doing? It was probably like, yo, girl, what you But I remember I, I go up, and I'm talking to her, and I'm like, hey, girl, listen, uh, we're talking. And so, I get her number, because I'm a G, and uh, we start talking. And uh, over time, I'm like, yo, I think we and Amber are about to start dating. This is about to be crazy. She's literally the baddest girl in school. I'm a sophomore. She's a senior. And we're doing pretty well in football. Like, I, all my dreams are coming true. Like, this is the, the greatest day of my life. And so my friends were like, yo, have you kissed her yet, though? And I was like, listen. And at this time, I grew up in—what y'all all laughing like that? <laughs> Bind y'all up in Jesus' name. Uh, I had never kissed a girl. Now, mind you, in In first grade, I did kiss a girl in front of the teacher because I'm a G like that. But (laughs) I I had never kissed a girl. I was like, no, I was was just weird and kind of goofy. And I was like this tall. And so it just didn't work out. Anyways, Amber's like, listen, we win state championship in football. We'll kiss. We'll start dating. I was like, bet. Okay. So we go, we're playing football, football's going well. We go to the state championship game and we blow them out. And I was like, yes, thank you, Jesus. You have heard my prayers. I'm literally after the game, I'm like, Amber, where you at, girl? Where you at? I'm like looking for, they're holding the trophy up. I'm like, Amber, like come down from the stands. (laughs) So we come down and guys, it was the most terrible, awkward I literally just, like, half-licked her face. I was like... "Ah, ah, ah, ah." Like, I did not... It was really, really bad. Really bad. told my wife, I got all the bad kisses out before we got together, so it's a lot better now, but... (laughs) But I, I... I started thinking about that. It's funny. You know, the other day, literally this past Tuesday, I was going through um, me and my wife are moving. So we were cleaning out some stuff. And at the bottom of this box, I was digging through and look what I found. I found this. My state championship ring. Let me put this thing on. You know what I'm saying? You know what it is. You see the, the bling. I literally, I put this on and I I was like, ah. And I start, all those memories started coming back. I was walking through the hallways with Amber. I was like, yeah, you know, what's up? Got the ring, no big deal. (laughs) And I walked into the living room with my wife. I was like, babe, check it out. I found my state ring from high school. And she just looked at me, she goes, you are so dumb, take that off. (laughs) Nobody cares. Nobody cares at all. I was like, man, you are tripping. You don't know. This ring is too small now, but you don't know how cool that was. And I, and I was a little bit offended, but I kind of was like, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's pretty stupid. Like, if I'm walking around, where, if I was actually wearing this thing, y'all be like, ooh, that's really neat. But I, I started thinking about it, and it's kind of funny that something that took up all my energy— Something that was such a big deal, something that promised so much happiness, something that actually happened. In one season, it promised so much happiness, but in another, it collected dust. And it it got me thinking that are there things in our life that are like that right now? Like are some of the things that are, are taking up our mental energy some of the things that we're focused on, that we're praying about, that we're asking God to get us through, that we think is such a big deal, could it be that maybe with some time and perspective, it'll collect dust? I, I, I just, we got to ask this question because we're told that we're supposed to be on the pursuit of happiness. Like this, this, this journey and it's the American dream and we're keeping up with the Joneses. Nobody knows who they are, but we're all keeping up with them. And I just start to look at it. and I'm thinking, man, that 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 seemed to make me so happy. And that was my pursuit of happiness at that time. But now it's just kind of like that's kind of dumb. Like that really I wish I would have known that that wouldn't have been that big of a deal. And, and I want to ask and present the question to you today that uh, how, how much has the pursuit of happiness cost you? Like what if you spent trying to find happiness? What have you done? Who have you hung out with? What things in your life have you maybe compromised trying to find happiness in your life? Because if you look at America, if you look at our lives, if you look at our culture, the pursuit of happiness can get real expensive real quick. I mean, a lot of people have spent their life savings getting the white picket fence, and it's all this big thing, but there's still no peace inside of them. A lot of people have spent their integrity cutting corners and making business deals under the table all to get this idea of happiness, but there's still something missing. Maybe some of you in this room, you spent your purity saying, you know what? I knew I I shouldn't have done that, but if I was just with that person, if I just had that relationship, if if I just had fill in the blank, then I would be happy. When we think about that and I I think about the pursuit of happiness. It sounds great on paper. It's a good movie. But it's a terrible way to live your life. I mean, happiness? Like, happiness is, is conditional. Happiness is fleeting. Like, some of our alarm clocks have more control of our happiness than we do. I mean, you wake up late, and you're like, this is the worst day ever. God does not see me. I don't, like, happiness? Some of you, your boss has more control over your day than you do. Some of you, your spouse has more control over your day. Your kids have more control. Everybody else has control over how your day goes. Why? Because you're on the pursuit of happiness. And happiness is an emotion determined by outward experience. So your life, after a while, starts to look like a roller coaster. Everything's going good and you're up here and praise God and you're serving at church and everything's. But the moment something goes wrong, your happiness is gone and you plummet. People don't see you in church. You drop off the map. You start posting weird stuff on Instagram. It like, like, where is they at? Like, <laughs> because it's, it's, it's happiness. And I have to ask the question, is there something better? Is there something that is, you just ruined my message, but um <laughs> I'm just kidding. Is there something more than happiness? And even as we think about that, your, your natural thought would be joy. But I want to present to you today that before joy, God is not concerned with your happiness as much as he is you being content. And I know nobody likes that word. Like, I don't know the last time you used that in a sentence or tweeted it, or you've never seen a t-shirt that says content on the front of it. (laughs) Why? Because we don't like where we are. Because we're not there. Like, you know, there. There is when I have that job. There is when I get that degree. There is when, when I'm with that person, when I have this amount of money. When I, there is there. But the only problem is, when you get there, now it's here. There was there, but when I'm here, it's here. So now there is a little bit more that way. And so we keep going, and we're living our lives dissatisfied because we're chasing something that always leaves us empty. I want to tell you today that there's something better than happiness, and it's you being content with where you are. And honestly, you don't want happiness. What you want is joy. You you think you want happiness, but you want joy. You want something that's not from an outside thing, but you want something that's fulfilled by Jesus Christ, that's sustained in the middle of storms, that can go through anything, that will give you strength. I want to present to you that the beginning of finding the joy of the Lord is finding contentment. And the thing about contentment, it's great because it's not conditional. Contentment is being okay regardless. You don't believe me, look look at the scripture we just read. Paul says it in his scripture. He says in Philippians 4.11, Not that I'm speaking from need, for I've learned to be content regardless of my circumstance." He's saying, I've learned something through life and it's made me okay, regardless of what's going on. Mind you, he's writing this from jail. He's writing you this from being incarcerated because he's preaching the gospel from doing what God called him to do. He's in jail and he's saying, you know what? I appreciate you guys sending me money. That was really nice. But really, I've never needed anything anyways because I've learned to be content regardless of what's going on. That's what I want. I don't want want happiness. I want to be content regardless of what's going on, regardless of the economy, regardless of of who's in office, regardless of of what other people say, regardless of my current situation. I need something that anchors me. We need contentment. And my heart is that we would be able to look at, at Paul's life and realize the power of contentment because contentment is a prerequisite to your joy. Think about it. How joyful can you be about a situation that you're not content in? A lot of time we want God to just make us happy, but you haven't become okay with where he's placed you at the moment. You, you, we have to learn to be content with where God has us, then he can give us joy. Read it in the scripture, in Philippians 4, he says, I've learned to be content regardless of my situation. After he says, I've learned to be content, then he says, I know how to get along and live humbly, and I also know how to enjoy. He learned how to be content Then he learned how to enjoy. Listen, when you become content, God gives you joy. And the more joy you have, the stronger you will be. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So when I learn to become content with where I am, God can produce joy in my life. When he produces joy in my life, then I can be strong and stand when normally I would run away or fall down because I've found my contentment. Listen, the more more content you can become in your area, the the more content you become in where you are, the stronger you'll be able to be. Could it be that maybe the strong follower of Jesus that you want to be, the the leader that you want to be, isn't going to be found in doing more and working harder and making sure you can quote the whole Bible forwards and backwards? Could it be it's going to be found, your strength will be found in your contentment? Could it be that your strength and your power and the thing that makes people look at you and say, wow, how are they standing through that situation? How are they standing in that marriage? Could it be that it will happen when you learn to become content with where you are? And I get it. We we don't want to be where we are. But do we trust God or do we not? Do, Do you think your current situation surprised him? Do you think he didn't know that the business wouldn't work out or or that the the marriage wouldn't be going as good as you thought? Do you think that surprised God? It doesn't. He has you where you are for a reason. If we can learn to be content, God will produce joy, which will give us the strength we need to stand through situations. So the question has to be asked, how do I become more content? How How do I find contentment in all the craziness that's going on? Because it can't be anchored on on anyone else. Like your your contentment, if, if it's anchored on something else, then it turns into happiness. And now you're up and down and all around. How do you find contentment? Well, I believe as we look at this story and look at Paul's life, that Paul found contentment in the calling that God had on his life. He found his peace. He found his anchor. He found something that would would keep him. When everything else was moving around, when they were threatening his life, when they were throwing him in jail, he found contentment in his calling. And I want you to know that's true for you, too. It's true for all of us. Your contentment is found when you're in your calling. It's found when you're where God has called you to be. I want to read this scripture to you. It's one we've been reading. It says, I know how to get along and live humbly. I also know how to enjoy abundance and live in prosperity. In every circumstance, I've learned the secret. Well-fed or going hungry, whether I have abundance or being in need. Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, when you read that scripture, that's like a preaching scripture. Like, I could preach to you Philippians 4.13, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. No matter what's going on, regardless of, of what's going on, you need to realize who's on your side because you can do all things through Christ. And I could go, we would yell, clap, scream, and that would be amazing. But could it be that maybe the reason some of us are in content is because we're doing all things? I mean, just think about it. I know some of you are thinking, what do you say? Just think about it. I can do all things. And if you take that scripture at face value, you start running around doing a bunch of good things that you're not graced for. Let, just, just listen. You, there, there are good things you can do that you are not graced for. You can do a lot of good things. It's very good to go on a missions trip. It's another thing to be graced to be a missionary. It's good to help those in need. It's different to be graced to set up shop in a need area and meet needs week in, week out. There, there, there are good things that you can do, but you're not graced for them. Me and my wife, we've really wanted to, not right now, y'all thinking, "Ooh, y'all having a kid? No, but we, we really want to adopt one day. The question we're asking ourselves, we were literally talking last night, like, are we graced for it, though? Because it's good to say, oh, we adopted it, and everybody would applaud. But if you're not graced for it, then you're outside of God's will. And anything you go outside of his will to get, you have to stay outside of it to sustain. I'm I'm doing this thing right now. Y'all hear this? This is not me. I don't know who this is. I'm just saying, we got to find our calling. Like you gotta find, and here, I'll prove it to you right now, because some of you are thinking, what? It's nice to do good things. Okay, just, just wait. It says this, and if you amplify this, is the amplified version of the same scripture we just read. So he says, I've learned the secret of life, whether well fed or hungry, whether having abundance or being in need, I can do all things which he has called me to do. See, that's why you gotta, you gotta read your Bible. You gotta dig into the word of God. When you, when you amplify and you look into the context of that scripture, he says, I can do all things which he has called me to do. What does that mean? That means God will only grace you for his calling on your life. He's not gonna grace you for someone else's calling, for the good things you could do. When you get to heaven, God won't ask you, what could you do? He will ask you, what did I call you to do? And I just, you, your contentment can be found when you find your specific unique spot in the body of Christ. And maybe you're in content right now, or you're not happy with your situation, or it's hard for you to experience joy because you're doing everything instead of living out your calling. And some of you, I promise you would find more contentment if you would accept your calling. We've made the word calling this word that either you're on stage or you're in Africa saving the world. And that's the only calling from God. There are people in this room called to be parents. Like you're called to raise children that transform and change the world. Someone had to raise Jesus. But we want to downplay certain callings and act like things are better than others. Some of you are called to be in the business world. You're called to start businesses, to, to, to make it and, and fund mission things by making money and being generous. You're called to that. And if you would get in your calling, you would find your contentment. But some of us, we don't want to accept our calling. Because it's not their calling. Because people don't like it on Instagram. Because I can't, I can't tweet my calling. When the baby throws up, nobody wants to hear about that. <laughs> but... If if you would just accept your calling, if you'd accept, because what you don't understand is there's something that God wants to do in the world and you're the only person he can do it through. Like you have a part to play, whether you accept it or not. There are people waiting on you to step into what God has called you to do. And I promise you, it's not going to always be easy, but you will be content. Paul's life was not easy. His journey was not easy, but somehow he could stand in jail and say, I thank you for the money and the food, but I would have been okay if you never sent me anything because I found contentment in my calling. And what, what would that be like if we could just be content? Regardless, we didn't have to have a certain amount of money in our bank account. We didn't have to be on a certain stage or accomplish a, a certain thing, but we could find peace and contentment in our life. Now, I know some of you, as I'm talking about this, you're thinking, you know what? I, what, what if I don't necessarily know my calling? Or I've, I've, I've thought about my calling, or I've went around it, or maybe I've even stepped away from it. Well, I encourage you that as I look at Paul's life and how he lived, Something that was unique about Paul is uh, Paul sold out to following Jesus. Like he he didn't do it halfway. And something I think that motivated Paul is I think Paul. uh, I heard someone say, always remember your B.C. life before Christ. I think Paul remembered that. If you don't know, Paul uh, was Saul and his job was killing Christians. I think there was something in him that he, he realized who God was and what he had done in his life. And for that reason, he sold out to following Jesus. I think there's something special that happens when you sell out to something. Some of you have sold out to the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, they necessarily haven't kept their end of the deal, but... For some reason, every year, this is our year. uh, We're going to be like, y'all haven't won in 30 years, but somehow every year it's your year. I love you. Jesus loves you. It's all right. (laughs) Her faith is unshaken. But like when you sell out, it starts to shape your perspective. It starts to shape the decisions you make. I believe Paul found strength and found contentment because he had sold out to following Jesus. I really believe that you could find the joy, the fulfillment, the grace, all the things you're looking for would be found when you sell out to following Jesus. Paul wrote four books of the Bible from jail. Now, this wasn't some celebrity jail that was like, Oh, this is just a nice little condo with a gate on the front. (laughs) He's in jail. Back in that time, the sewage systems ran through the jail. So he's sitting in jail, writing the words that we're reading today, and somehow he's content. Somehow he's he's found something that's unshakable. Somehow there's, there's something in him that regardless of what's going on, he's okay. I believe Paul's secret was that he had sold out. And when you sell out, Jesus becomes real. I think for some of us, it's just a book we read about or someone we throw our prayers up to. But I think Jesus was real to Paul. And because he was so real to Paul, he realized that that there was more to life than the moment that he was just in. That just because he was in jail, just because people didn't necessarily understand and just because it was hard, it didn't mean that he wasn't following God or that it wasn't worth it. He realized that if he was in the calling of God, he would find contentment and he had a joy. That's why Paul was so strong. It wasn't because he was some superhero and it's like, well, Paul, you know, he was a part of the Avengers, so I just can't do that. I'm, I'm not that strong. No. Paul was content. God gave him joy. That's what made him strong. And your strength will be found in your contentment. In Paul's life, he, he lived it in such a way that it was a reflection, reflection of Jesus. He talks about, you know what? It's okay if I, if I have to go through hardships. I count it a joy because I know I'm, I'm becoming more like Jesus. I count it a joy because people are, are hearing. I count it a joy because it's what I'm called to do. And what God calls you to do, he'll grace you for And Paul knew that. And there are some of you that need to be reminded that if God called you to it, he will grace you to do it. That I know it's hard. I know you may feel like you're in jail right now. But if God called you to it, he will get you through it and he has graced you for it. You're graced to be the parent. I know the kids are listening. I know it's going hard, but you are graced for it. You're graced to start the business. I know the other 10 have failed, but you're graced for it. You're graced to get that degree. You're graced to to, to step out and be an example of people. You're graced for it. And if God graced you for it, he will get you through it. My question is, who do we put our trust in? Who Who do we lean on in those moments? We have to be anchored in Christ and sell out to following him. And the thing is, when you do that, God gives you something that's so priceless contentment. It gives you perspective. Paul had perspective. If we could live that way, I would venture to say that maybe the things that are such a big deal right now or the things that are taking your energy, that they would somehow get into alignment with with God's word and his calling on your life. That if we could just find contentment, that that joy that God would produce in us, it it would allow us to start saying things like Paul said, Philippians one, he starts off that the book that we are, the story we're just reading. and, And he says this, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as even in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die for to me, living means living for Christ, but dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So really, I don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go be with Christ, which would be better for me. But for your sake, it's better that I continue to live. Paul's having one of the craziest conversations in Philippians 1. He's saying it like this. He says, so I have this dilemma because I know I have a calling. God has transformed my life. I was, I was in a lifestyle and he changed me completely and got me out of that. And now it's my mission to, to preach the word of God. But when I preach the word of God, they throw me in jail. Now, I'm not worried about being in jail because why? I've learned to be content. I'm content whether I'm in jail, whether I have a lot of money, no money, where I'm hungry or not hungry. I've learned to be content. So he says one part of this dilemma is that I'm in my calling and I know that when I'm in my calling, people are benefiting from it. Like there are people getting saved, experiencing Jesus. The world is getting changed. It's so much different and so great when I'm in my calling. But he has so much contentment and joy and perspective. He said, but there's another side of the coin. You see, I've been walking for Jesus for so long and he's so real to me and he's done so much that there's this one part of me that when they threaten to kill me because I've been preaching the gospel, I'm not really that scared. I, I, I have this tension because I, 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 I know that if I'm here, people benefit. But if I die, it's actually better because I'm with my Savior. It was like Paul, it, Jesus wasn't someone that he read about. It was someone that was real to him. And it became so real that he didn't even fear death. Man. What would that be like if we could live that way? If our current situation didn't stop us from trusting who God was. If our current hardship didn't keep us from, from stepping out in faith. And I, I, I want to live like that. I want to be a church like that that says, you know what? I found contentment with where I am. I trust that the Bible says that God says I'm the alpha and the omega. The one who is who is to come and has been. What is he saying? He said, I've been in every moment. So because God's been in every moment, if I trust him, I can know that he sees me right here and that I can trust him with my future. That he can establish contentment in my heart. And because I'm content, he can produce a joy. And because I have so much joy, I'm strong. But on the other side, I want to have a faith that's like, you know what? Even if it doesn't work out though, like, Even if if I'm doing the right thing, but the other person in the relationship isn't acting right. Even if my, my, my kids don't come back when I think they should. Even if it doesn't work out, I think I'll be all right. Because I have perspective. And this life right here is not all there is. There is a kingdom that is so much greater than what you see right now. Man, I I, I just want us to get it because I believe that if we could get some perspective, that the things that are dominating your thoughts would seem small compared to God. The things that keep you up at night, the things that steal your peace, the things that steal your joy, they would become a lot smaller if you put God in his rightful place. Listen, when when we get content with where we are, we'll have more joy. And the more joy we'll have, the stronger we'll be. What's amazing about Paul's life is his strength is affecting us right now. Matter of fact, his joy is affecting us right now. I believe Paul's joy was one of the most powerful things that was in his ministry. You say, Charles, what do you mean? Well, there's a story in the Bible where uh, Paul's in jail again, and he's in jail and he's singing in jail. You know what? Running over his feet. And he's singing. Now, we don't know the, 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 how long he was singing or, 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 or what he was singing, but I believe that Paul, he was, he was in there was with one of his friends, Silas. It says they were in there and they just, they just start singing a song. And as they're singing that song, no doubt people start looking at him like, what in the world is wrong with these two dudes? Like, we're we're in jail. They're they're about to kill us. But, but Paul, he had a joy that, that wasn't conditional. And what happens is, is his joy produced freedom for other people. Listen, when he starts singing, it says that something happened in the Bible. It says that the, the prison cells, all the doors of the jail opened up. Listen, I'm telling you that God has a mission for his church, and it's that our joy would bring freedom to our city. His joy would bring freedom to our friends, that our joy would bring freedom to this nation. But it can't happen when we're all so serious and all so worried about our own problems. We have to allow God to produce contentment in our life, and then other people will see our joy, and they'll think, maybe there's freedom for me. Maybe I can make it through this situation if we could just find joy. It says in the scripture that all of the doors open up and, and the guard who was supposed to be watching him freaks out and he's about to kill himself because he knows that i let all these prisoners go. Paul stops him. He says, Hey, listen, we're all here. It's okay. It says his family gets saved in that moment. And hey, listen, your, your joy is more powerful than you think. Your contentment is more powerful than you think. I really believe that If we could find contentment, if we could just become okay with with where God has us, trusting that he's seen everything, he knows the beginning from the end, he's been thinking about you before you've been thinking about you. And I just want to encourage you this morning that if you would just become content with where you are, if you would accept the calling that God has on your life and realize that you have a unique calling, you, you have something specific that no one else can do. You're, you're, you're called to, 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 to love people. You're called to take care of people. Something at church that we do every year is our B groups, belong groups. And it's a place where we say, hey, we want to create community for people. And, and uh, in there, we have different leaders who step up. They open their homes. They say, hey, I'm going to commit to help lead this group. All that means is I'm helping talk with people and encourage them and and I'll I'll meet at my house once a week or I'll meet with some people at a coffee shop. Some of you would be surprised what would happen if you would step into your calling. Some of you are called to to step up and say, you know what, I should should start creating community for other people. Coming, Coming up in August, our groups are gonna start and you'd be surprised what would happen when you start to share your story. Some of you are called to to start serving here at the church, to be that person that everybody sees when they walk in, you shake their hand, you greet them, you make them feel welcome. So your calling may or may not be here in church, but I promise you, if you get in your calling, you'd be more content. And don't be so concerned of everything you could do or everything that everyone else is doing, but ask God, what, what is it that you called me to do? Like What, what is my... Peace in the pie? What is my unique gifting? What is the thing that you've graced me for? Because if you can get in that moment that he's graced you for, man, all I'm saying is there's one person who did it and we're reading about him right now. I really think that if we could get in our calling, if we could become more content, Bible talks about we're supposed to be living epistles and people could look at our lives and they wouldn't say we were perfect. They wouldn't say we always got it right, but they would say things like, man, they're just, they seem to be so strong. They don't seem to be shaken by the things that shake everybody else. They seem to, to have this joy, this excitement that that isn't dependent on anything else. And, and they'll start to say things like, hey, uh, hey, you got time to talk or go to coffee? I've noticed that, you know, I, I saw that you, you said you're going through some hard stuff or I've seen that your, your marriage isn't going that well or I know you've got some, some troubled issues but you seem to just have this joy and, and what is that? And man, what an opportunity for us to say, you know what? I sold out to following Jesus. I, I wasn't perfect. I didn't, I didn't always get it right. That's really the only reason I stand up here. I'm not the best. I'm not the most talented. I do stupid stuff all the time. I miss God. I've just sold out. My encouragement to you is just sell out to following Jesus. Don't worry about what people say. Don't worry about trying to be perfect. Don't worry about the destination version of yourself that doesn't mess up, that has it all figured out. That person doesn't exist. There's only one person who is perfect. There's only one. So stop trying to get yourself right and make sure everything's okay before you follow the call of God on your life. Realize that God, he, he, he didn't even ask you to sell out first. He said, before I even ask you to do anything, I'll do it. He said, for the opportunity that you might sell out to me, I'll send my son. And not just any son, I'll sing my, send my only son. Why? Because I love you and I care about you. And the opportunity, the mere thought that I could have a relationship with you would cause me to stop everything and sacrifice my only son for you. So my heart is that Transformation Church will be a church that is known for not necessarily even being the best or the, the coolest or, or anything like that, but could it be that we would be a church that's content with where God has us? That whether we grow, whether we shrink, whether people know our name, whether they don't, we're content. We say, you know, I, 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 we're, we're here because God's grace is for us. And my prayer is, and, and really the truth is, the only way that's gonna happen for Transformation Church is if it happens in us. We proved last week the church isn't this building because we weren't here we're the church you're the church and when people look at our lives my heart is that they would see jesus if god is transforming your life through this ministry join us in reaching others by partnering with us today you can give through our tc app or our website at transformchurch.us forward slash give And don't forget to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this one. Now go and live a transformed life.